0: Duke fans, hello and welcome back to the Duke Basketball Report podcast. This is episode number 169, and we are coming to you on Saturday, October 19th in the morning. Let the basketball preseason begin, guys. Uh, I am Donald Wine, the host this week, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Jason Evans is still on vacation somewhere in Europe, but I do have Sam Klein with me. Again, Sam, what's going on? Good morning. Where are you in the world? I uh, This morning, I am calling you from Chicago.
1: I am here for a friend's wedding and uh, seeing some people. So, and it's also fall break for Fuqua, So, I think I think the first year students are still taking exams, but the second year students are are all gone um, off on off on various adventures. So, calling you from Chicago. I guess I'm an hour behind now and got to catch up a little bit with countdown the craziness from last night. Excited to talk about that and also hyped to get uh, to get the season underway.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And and we do have some live basketball to talk about for the first time uh, this season. But before we get into that, uh, we just want to thank the wonderful guys from Bird Campbell, PA, for their support of the podcast, for all of your business law needs. And if you live in Florida or Texas, check out the law firm that bleeds Duke Blue, BirdCampbell.com. Bird Campbell means business. Okay, um, Sam, last night, Duke basketball had his annual countdown to craziness event. It had dancing. It had dunks. Uh, some great entertainment. We'll start with the basketball first, if that's cool with you. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. That's the blue-white scrimmage, everybody. Um, uh, for those of you out there who did not see it, blue beats. I say that in air quotes. Uh, white forty-seven to thirty-eight. It's all it's all love because it's all the same team. Um, Vernon Carey for the blue team had fifteen points, and Cassius Stanley had added twelve points. Jordan Goldwire with eight points on the white team. Both Wendell Moore and Alex O'Connell had eleven each, and freshman Matthew Hurt had nine points. Uh, Sam, this is obviously the first look that we get at the team uh, every year, but what did you think about the actual basketball those played on the court? So we talked last week about
1: how the only two guaranteed starters, in my opinion, coming into the season are Trey Jones and Vernon Carey. I think we saw that from Vernon Carey last night. He was all over the floor. He's able to initiate offense from far away from the basket. Uh, made a three pointer. He's, he's clearly sort of ready to, to make the transition to the college game, I think. And, and, you know, going up against a defender in Javin Delorier, who's not, you know, who's not the biggest center that he's going to face, but is certainly savvy enough to, um, to stop good big men in, in certain ways. And, and Vernon Carey was still able to, to score in a variety of ways, um, the the other half of that guaranteed part of the starting lineup, Trey Jones, didn't look as great last night, um, seemed seemed a little bit out of sorts. Perhaps he's still dealing with the effects of the injuries that kept him out this summer and is just still sort of playing catch up. I think that his going up against Jordan Goldwire and Goldwire, um, for the most part, getting the best of him is is not a great sign for Duke, but could be fine depending on... Sort of where those struggles are coming from from Trey Jones. On the other hand, it might say something good about Jordan Goldwire and that the progress that he made late last year is going to translate again this season, and that perhaps we'll we'll see more of him than we're expecting. You know, he's one of those players I think in the in the same sort of grouping as Alex O'Connell and Jack White, where they've they've shown flashes before. Now they're upperclassmen, and I think that we in the era of the one and done, we tend to, I don't know if we write those guys off, but we sometimes forget about them when we're talking about sort of where all the talent's coming from on the team. And uh, so I think it's, I think it's a good sign that, that Jordan Goldwire is, seems like he's, he's ready to play at the, at a high level this season.
0: Yeah. And, and I agree with you on the comparison and in, performance between Trey Jones and Jordan Goldwater going back to Vernon Carey for a minute it a lot of times on the broadcast last night the commentators were talking about his motor and it seemed like at times there were some plays that he you know some people would say he took off um it is it's I don't think it's concerning at this point it's the first game of the year and, and not really a game it's just a scrimmage and it's a really a fun way to see your team play. I mean, Javin Delorier took like three threes last night. So I don't think we're going to see that a lot this season, Um, but I I, I think the
1: the standard caveat that all of this is, all of this is basically scrimmage.
0: Yeah. It's it's for fun. It's Oh, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. I mean, we're not going to see, you know, uh, we're not going to see Javin Delorier lurking in the, in the wing for uh, three bombs. But uh, I think when it comes to carry, it'll be interesting to see how that develops because, we're thinking of him probably as a 30 to 35 minute guy every single game. Uh, but we also have, you know, Javon DeLurier and, and, you know, and Matthew Hurt and some guys that can play down low when necessary. What happens when Vernon Carey gets to the foul trouble? Who, how does that rotation work? But I feel like right now, Carey last night to me seemed like a guy who could play 25 minutes, uh, at least from the, from the conditioning standpoint. Now it's obviously something that can, improve over the next couple of weeks before the season starts. Uh, but I thought other than that, he seemed super polished. It's, his uh, his game inside the paint was really, really good. And and I think that that was, uh, I think it's just the last couple of things to try and push him to say, hey, look, instead of thinking about 25 minutes and having Jab Deloria come in, push like you're going to be the guy that's playing every minute of this, of this basketball game. And I think that is an easy uh, transition for the coaches to do. And I think he's working towards that but uh, uh, it's just obviously not there yet um in, in my opinion the one thing i was concerned about last night was the shooting um we we talked last year uh, about our shooting woes from behind the arc they've moved the shooting the the three-point arc out again um to the international distance of 22 feet one and three-quarter inches and last night uh combined the team shot four for 25 from behind the arc so we, we talked about getting a, you know, a few guys that can shoot. Matthew Hurt supposed to be able to shoot. Uh, uh, Cassius Stanley. Trey Jones is supposed to have an improved uh, jumper. And Alex O'Connell are probably your four guys that, are, that people would look at to shoot the three. But uh, I, it was concerning to me that it was four for 25. And it wasn't like they were uh, you know, rimming in and out or anything like that. There were some shots that just weren't going in. Uh, what did you think about that? And do you think that's a cause for concern this early? Definitely, um,
1: I think not being able to see Trey Jones's improvement and not being able to see either side kind of adjust to the bad shooting, like figuring out how to create more space or um, or get passes more in rhythm, is a is an issue. Uh, something that this team is obviously going to have to work on. Alex O'Connell seemed very confident in the preseason that his that his jump shot is you know ready for prime time this year. And didn't really show it yesterday. I was—you you mentioned Matthew Hurt. I was really impressed with him generally, with the mm-hmm. way that he was able to move around on the floor and and make shots inside the three-point line. Um, you can tell that there's a little bit of that he's been studying Dirk Nowitzki, and that then that that's sort of the game that he wants. It's it's not a it's not a skill set that a lot of modern young players are trying to emulate because. It's not clear that it fits in the sort of analytics forward version of of professional basketball, but if it works for him, then then he should go for it.
0: So, I will say if I will say if he can master Dirk Nowitzki's follow jumper, he's averaging thirty points a game this year. <laughs>
1: sure, uh, and he also he also seemed bigger than than I anticipated. I feel like he I, I was worried about spindly Matthew Hurt, and I think we got strong Matthew Hurt. So. Mm-hmm. That, that hopefully should translate. We said last week that I, wanna, I want to know that he's able to you know, be the size of a, of a college four. And, and he seems like the size of a college floor on the, on the floor with all the other guys on this team. So um, Hurt, I think, is the other one who looked really strong. Stanley, I feel like, has, has so much room to be awesome. And mm-hmm. we just didn't really see it last night.
0: Well I, I think with him it was it was uh, he's very smooth around the around the rim. obviously we they talked a little a lot about his athleticism, uh, the fact that he broke Zion Williamson's uh, vertical record uh, after one year and but really inside the paint when he was going towards the rim, it was kind of like it was a similar feeling to Zion not like in the sense of you knew Zion was just going to like what what backboard was he going to break but it was more like when Cassius Stanley goes in the air I found myself pausing because I'm like oh he has the athleticism to either throw it down lay it in do a reverse you know literally stop in midair and kind of float it in it, that kind of pause where you're just kind of like what is he going to do with the ball uh, but it was also very very smooth I thought finishing I think his shooting. Um, it's going to improve during the season. Hopefully it will. But around the paint, I, if we're if we get him out in open transition, he's gonna get a lot of points that way uh for this he, team this season. He
1: also displayed at least one of those Nolan Smith styled uh floaters um, mm-hmm. that Quinn Cook was also very good at. Yep. Clearly he's been clearly he's been working with the director of basketball operations <laughs> on that little move. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's approved by the rest of the coaching staff. I know they mm-hmm. on the broadcast they were they were ribbing Gerald Henderson about the floater. But, uh, yeah. but Stanley, Stanley seems to have taken to it. So perhaps we'll be seeing more of those on the, on the defensive side. Uh, there's clearly, there's clearly work that all these guys need to put in a little more The you know, I'm not sure that the missed shots last night were the result of, of best defensive rotations, or if it's just them being used to being in Cameron with a full house and, and understanding how that all works. So, uh, I think perhaps we we look ahead at the at the exhibition games in which we start to uh, issue the standard caveat of the exhibition games are played against Division II teams that are usually much smaller than the Blue Devils. So look for Vernon Carey and Javin Delorier and Jack White to score a bunch of points inside because that's what they'll be able to do.
0: Yeah. And I think really when we we're when we were talking about this, it, it we 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 discussed this game kind of in jest a little bit because we're playing each other and I think it's hard to dictate what we saw last night as indicative of how this season is going to go in any way. And and I think it will be interesting to see how this translates to next weekend. When we start our preseason slate of games, that is going to be the key when we uh, we start seeing when the guys start playing someone other than themselves. And it's not a practice. It's not a scrimmage. It's a, competition against another team who has been studying their moves and they've been studying their moves and they start getting into the flow of that preparation. So I think that's going to be when we start really start analyzing rotations and whether someone's game has come along and how, how it works with someone else. Cause these teams are split up pretty evenly. And, you know, even the final score was only indicative of the last like 25 seconds of the game when blue just kept doing layups, when uh, white was pushing to, to tie the game. I will say that if if there's one good indicator um
1: if Justin Robinson has a fully cocked two handed dunk in a game, that's a good game for Duke, yeah, it's over
0: It's it's it, it, it will be <laughs> it's funny like uh we're gonna we're gonna get into this a little bit, but they were releasing some of the videos um about the uh, preseason practices and the scrimmages and the planning of the intro videos and stuff and one of the wallpapers that they had I was like oh man it's so smooth it's it's a it's a, a silhouette of a Duke player gliding through the air to dunk on a backboard that's lit up and I was like oh man let's be Cassius Stanley and I zoom in on the picture and it's Justin Robinson and I was like yep it is now on my, it's my, it's my, it's my lock screen for my phone, uh, because it's so sweet. And people are just like, oh man, that must be like Zion or RJ or something. like, nope, it is nope. Justin Robinson. So, graduates, yeah.
1: Fuku graduate student, Justin Robinson.
0: Oh, there you go. Is he, is he year one? Is he, he's got to him in doctorate.
1: He's in the one year program that they have for students who are just out of undergrad. So, gotcha. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we're, we're classmates.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sam, uh, we have to talk about the intros. The intros, as we all know, is how, how the players walk out, how they're introduced to the fans. They also have the pregame hype video that they uh, released and how they came out. Um, in, in in all of this, the players like to inject some of their style and their personality into these. I have some comments. As you know, this is this is my area of expertise, but I want to know which one stood out to you.
1: Was Javin Delorier's song choice, is that considered old school for...
0: The- that would be considered old school. I would. I would agree. <laughs> How old is the song that he picked? Um, like ten years old. It's at least ten years old. Yeah. yeah. Is that it's, it? Is not indicative of him being in high school or college, right? I uh,
1: I liked. <laughs> I, I I noted that, and I was because most of the as we said last week, most of the music is stuff I don't know, and mm-hmm. that that reflected obviously a couple of the songs uh, I was familiar with, but. Uh, when, when Javin's song came on I was like that's a song I remember from college do these college students think that that music is old school now and if so how old am I uh, mm-hmm. that, was, that was really the concern I will say that uh, the dance moves overall not impressed uh, thought, that, thought that they really could have done more on the choreography and on the planning and of course the best moment was, was Trey Jones bringing his mother out Mm-hmm. Um, who's, who's recently gone through cancer treatment. And, um, that was, that was incredible. I, I love yeah. that. Uh, it, it sort of dwarfed Mike Buckmeier's, uh, handwritten piece of paper, <laughs> uh, happy birthday note to his dad, uh, which, which was cute, but. Or but, Michael,
0: De, or, or Michael Savarino, uh, kind of shouting out his, uh, like pointing to, uh, his grandmother in the stands, which is. Yeah, to, to, to his wife. whole family <laughs> Yeah, who, yeah. Who, who,
1: who, who run the show around here. Yeah. So, um. I My my big takeaway is I wish the dancing was better.
0: Yeah, um, so I will start with the just how they came out. Um, I don't know if you've heard that song, Annie Up, but Annie Up is one of the greatest hype songs of all time. And so if that is going to be on the intro video, I swear to you, I, I don't know if you can take me to a game because I might actually run out on the court, put on a jersey, and get ready to play because that song brings that out of me. So I was so, so hyped hearing that hearing those guys run out onto the court to Annie up and even having it in the intro video a little bit. Uh So that was cool. Uh, I, I agree with you. Trey Jones bringing out uh, his mother was the highlight of the whole thing. And the song was perfect. Lean on me. I mean, I mean, that is, that is a perfect song uh for what they as a family have been going through and really just how the, how the brotherhood kind of has embraced um, their, ba- their battle and, and, and helped them out with it. So I really enjoyed that. I was surprised Justin Robinson came out to uh, Don't Stop Believin'. uh I, That was uh, pretty cool. Um, interesting pick. I, yeah, it was an interesting pick. And also, it was funny. I was like, Sam will definitely know that one. <laughs> but uh, yes. it was... Uh, yes, yeah, I am I,
1: familiar with that song.
0: Yeah, I think, I, have, I think a few people are.
1: I have been to karaoke ever.
0: Oh, ever? Yes. <laughs> or just any, I don't know, any sporting event in the last... However long that song has been around, 40 years? 30,
1: 40 years, yeah. What, yeah.
0: I, I don't even know. Yeah. So do you think, I thought that do you, was think
1: cool. do you think Jason's listening to this? Being like, "Oh, these guys."
0: Oh yeah, he's definitely gonna be listening to this uh, somewhere on a on a on a yacht or something. Um, just absolutely, just like this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Because this is the part that he really skips when we, whenever he's here. So, um, and finally, I will say this is this is for you, young cats out there. Um, Wendell Moore from Charlotte, um, the hottest rapper out right now, is from Charlotte. Uh, and his name is the baby, so he came out to one of those songs, and so it was probably one where Sam, you're probably like, I have no, effing clue what this whoosh, is,
1: right over my head. But
0: the but <laughs> as soon as the beat dropped, you could hear the camera crazes go start going nuts because that song is all over the radio in North Carolina. So uh, I thought that was a pretty good shout out, especially to someone from uh, the Charlotte area. So those are the ones I had for the intro video. I thought the intro video was pretty cool. Like I, I, I finally like seeing the. Uh, the finished product after seeing so many of the Instagram stories and videos uh, about the making of it but uh, yeah yeah go ahead I was gonna say uh, I liked the video did you how do you feel about the poster so the poster we were I was I was with my best friends last night and I showed them a the poster and we were like okay this is kind of cool and, and then we kind of were like there's no rhythm to this, and then I realized, oh, there is, and how all the guys were were based on their class years, except for two people. I think it was Wendell Moore and uh, and Jordan Goldwire were wearing the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see why those two are wearing the same thing, but everyone else was corresponding to their class year, which I thought was pretty cool. Were they? Was the background of the
1: of the poster like input? Like they weren't they weren't actually sitting out on a bench taking this picture it's it feels like the background was like sort of added later to it i could be wrong about that
0: so the back i don't know if they were sitting on an actual bench i don't know if they painted it i don't know what happened but the back of that to me looks like the corner of craven quad
1: okay uh i will i will do some investigating
0: Yes. I don't know if they actually, if they superimposed it or if they actually did it in Craven, but that was when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's because that's exactly where I lived. Like the the house next to where I lived would be where that bench was quote unquote placed. Uh, But the only question I have is whether that was an actual bench. Right. Uh, It it was, it was interesting. I liked, you know, I I liked
1: all the contrast, but, but I, at first, as as you pointed out, it was a little confusing. Uh, I am sure that they will fly off the shelves as they do every year because every year people love that stuff.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, one more thing we have to discuss, and I know we talked about it last week. We have to discuss the reveal of the away uniforms. Um, they they finally came out after rumors or, you know, a lot of speculation, a lot of, uh, you know, anticipation. Uh, one thing before we get into the actual how they looked on the court, one thing that I thought was incredible to note was that Duke said that this would be those two jerseys last night were two of the six new jerseys that they're going to be wearing this season. We all know in previous years, they've kind of incorporated usually one, maybe two, and then had a plethora of other jerseys to choose from, including uh, the hyper Leaves from 2015, uh, the, the blue and white fauxbacks that they've introduced in previous years as well. Uh, and I thought those were going to be kind of still in that rotation, but it looks like they're getting six brand new jerseys. But going back to the two that we saw on the court last night, I thought they looked fantastic. What did you think? Yeah, definitely.
1: They look, they look like old school Duke. Mm-hmm. The, the players seem to like them. I, I call me old. I would prefer if it was just those two jerseys. Cause I think they, they look great. And uh, it's always weird to see the blue jerseys in Cameron. That's one of the strange aesthetics about the blue white game, mm-hmm. but, but I thought they both looked awesome. I am curious to see uh, if, if the remaining four that we haven't seen are going to be cooler than this or, um, or something that is just that is just interesting to teenagers because yeah. I certainly don't understand that.
0: Look, it, watching the blue white scrimmage last night took me back to when I was in school because those are the jerseys that were around when I was in school. So I think that kind of nostalgia and, and even how they're they're discussing the way they're discussing it is a, you know nod to the past but you know thinking towards the future. Um, and, and I think just knowing that you're like, hey, we're bringing this back to some old school times where we had some you know legendary players and that this legend is going to continue with this crop of players. I think that's a really good uh, way to bring it together. And and it looked like the, the, the students loved it too. Um, So uh, they're already on sale in stores apparently. So I need you to investigate next time you find yourself uh, by the Bryan center. uh, Let me know which jerseys I need to get. If, and the answer is probably both. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by Bird Campbell, PA, your Duke centric business law firm with offices in Florida and Texas. If you are needed legal representation, consider Bird Campbell. Head to their website at birdcampbell.com for more information. Bird Campbell means business. Okay, guys, a programming note. We are recording this a few hours before. Duke football takes on UVA and Charlottesville. So we're obviously not going to talk football uh, uh, this week. We will wait until the next episode. By then, Jason should be back home from his travels unless he somehow finds some European real estate and decides to just stay there. Um, But right now, we have a few, a couple parting shots. So, Sam, why don't you go first?
1: Uh, Just to continue from last week, the Nationals are now officially in the World Series, which is amazing. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I am. Uh I guess I'll be shirking my responsibility as the on-site DBR correspondent for Duke basketball next weekend when Duke takes on Northwest Missouri State. It is on Saturday evening. I will be in Washington uh for game 4. So uh, apologies to to everyone for uh for <laughs> for skipping the first real Duke basketball game of the season, but I got I have personal matters to attend to. So I'm high
0: I, I don't think I will be a game four because tickets right now are like three thousand dollars. Um, but I might be having some pre-game beverages with you uh, before you get, you go into the game because they have
1: the they have the outdoor bar outside the stadium the bullpen yeah, the bullpen um, mm-hmm. it's going be it's going to be out of control there.
0: It's going to be this town is alive. Let's just put it like that. It's it, usually it all this town is talking about is politics. And for the last three weeks, it has been nothing but baseball, except for like three days when the Mystics were about to win and everyone was about them, too. D.C. sports is alive. And it's really it's fun to see as someone who I mean, I didn't grow up a Nats fan. No one did. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Excuse me. I became a Nationals fan in high school. I feel like that's that's almost I mean, you are younger. Yeah. But I, I mean, I remember when they moved here. I remember when I moved here a couple years later. Um, I remember going to RFK to watch games and, uh, you know, really it was just more like, hey, you know, watch this baseball team. I'll watch a few games, but it was never like I was a diehard fan of the Nationals. Uh, But watching this team play has been nothing short of inspiring for anybody who lives here. I mean, you have Orioles fans going to Nats games, wearing Orioles jerseys and Nats hats. And that's like dogs and cats living together. So uh, it's really, really fun to see. And uh, Sam, I'll see you next weekend um, because we have some baseball to watch. My parting shot is actually more of a uh, a serious one. It's about Zion Williamson, as most of you probably out there have heard by now. He suffered a knee injury in a preseason game against the San Antonio Spurs and will be out for the first two to three weeks of the season. They're not quite sure what it will be, uh, but it's a bad break for a kid who has been just absolutely a monster during the preseason he's averaged 23 points a game which is the most any freshman has has done in uh, or, or I should just say freshman any rookie has done uh during the preseason in the NBA and it's just already been electrifying arenas wherever he goes with his play uh, so it was going to be uh sad to see him have to sit out for a few weeks to start the season but the training staff of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, aka the Bayou Brotherhood um they are confident that he's going to make a full recovery and that we will see uh Zion back you know back to 100 in a few weeks so here's hoping that he gets well uh because I know we're all really really anxious to see him play uh some regular season games the the season's right around the corner for the NBA but uh uh, get well soon and hopefully we will see you back on the court soon And I think that's going to do it for episode 169 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, we should have all three of us back next episode unless for some reason Jason decides that he's he's a European now. But until then, for Jason abroad and for Sam in Chicago this week, uh, I'm Donald here in Washington, D.C., home of your National League champions, Washington Nationals. Thanks for listening, and Duke Band, take us home.